This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. The goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh he plays. Oh, he's going to Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, here after actual week one. And joining me is the new college writer for te- uh, Texas football, Mike Craven. Mike, what's going on, man? What's going on, dude? Uh, been, a, been a fun opening weekend. Glad to be here. Glad to talk about it. Yeah. So this is going to be our first recap of the season. As you guys are familiar with, we typically run through all the games for the 12 FBS schools. And we'll go through and give our thoughts. We typically go in order from uh, reverse order from the power pole. So starting with the bottom, going all the way to the top. So we're going to go ahead and get started. This first one, UTEP beats Bethune-Cookman 38-28 in El Paso. I did not pay attention to this game. I did not think I was going to have to pay attention to this game. And then I saw the score was 10-7 for one point, And I immediately thought, am I going to have to pay attention to this game? Um, long story short, no, UTEP ended up winning. Uh, thank God, because that would have been really embarrassing because we'd have been hyping up a two and UTEP all week. First time since 2005. I hope I have that right. I've been saying that, but it's been a long time. UTEP goes beats Bethune Cookman 38, 28. They are two and We have a two and football team. The first two and football team in Texas, or I guess at FBS level, I actually don't know for that for sure. If there's any other, uh, in sub FBS, but I don't know. Uh, you know, we, we, we didn't pay attention to this game that much, but they're 2-0. and What are your thoughts on UTEP so far, the start of the season? Is this what they should have this, – is this the start you expected, and is this the start uh, kind of to bring in some momentum to this program? Yeah, they had some continuity. I thought they'd have a pretty good start just looking at the schedule. Um, you know, you should never struggle against a team that sounds like a funeral home. That's what <laughs> Bethune Cookman sounds like to me. Right. Yeah, that's what I think about every time I hear that name. But, uh, you know, it seems like they have a quarterback that they uh, feel comfortable with. Um, you know, Hardison had three touchdowns, I think, in that game. So mm-hmm. uh, he's been consistent. It feels like their average yard per pass is about double what it was last year. So that's a good sign. They have a good running game, Ronald Awat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 2-0, and they should be 2-0. and And, uh, you know, they'll definitely get a little bit more stern tests as uh, the season moves on. Yeah, next week they have Boise on Friday, Boise State. So that'll be their obviously their first big test. Um, don't expect them to win that game, but – you know, if this is an improved UTEP team, UTEP program, you expect them to not get blown out, hopefully. Like, <laughs> you know, they're going to yeah. be big underdogs, but uh, what you're hoping to see is a little bit of, you know, they have playmakers now. They have guys who can move the ball. You're hoping to see that that flash a little bit um, when they get to the blue turf. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to have the depth, um, you know, especially on the offensive line, defensive line to really compete for four quarters. So you hope to just kind of see some flash plays and kind of what Rice did to Arkansas, what we're about to talk about, just kind of stay in there and, you know, have a, a competitive game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on to Rice, you mentioned it. Rice loses to Arkansas 30 at 17, but game was pretty okay for a while. Um, got away from them late, which is kind of what you expect when they play an SEC team on the road. Arkansas kind of got comfortable. Um, it looked a little off in the beginning. I think uh, Arkansas quarterback, uh, I think KJ Jefferson, uh, had a big run early, 
uh, looked really rice looked like it was kind of knocked back on its heels first. Um, then they come back. Defense looks really, really good for a lot of the game. Uh, that offense though. I mean, I don't know. We talked, uh, me and Greg were talking about it this week. The fact that they didn't name Luke McCaffrey, the starter kind of showed, I think the problems they're still going to have on offense because you kind of expected him to come in, win that job pretty quickly. You have this former FBS quarterback coming in and they started Wiley green and, you kind of know what you get from Wiley Green, I feel like, at this point. And Luke McCaffrey came in as well. Offense didn't look that much better. I don't know. This is going to be one of those years where I think Rice is unfortunately going to have to lean really heavily on that defense again, like they did last year, um, just because I think that Mike Bloomgren hasn't really found his quarterback. I mean, it was 17-17 going into the fourth quarter, and it felt like in the fourth quarter, Arkansas said, okay, we're not going to really try to do our offense anymore. We're just going to be better than Rice. <laughs> right. And that they probably could have done that from the beginning, and it wouldn't have been as close. You could tell Arkansas was trying to do some stuff and see what they have there with K.J. Jefferson. But once they kind of lined up and just ran right at them, uh, it became pretty clear what the disadvantage there was. But I'm with you. I'm not a two-quarterback system guy. I don't think that really works. You have to pick a guy. He has to be the man in the huddle and in the locker room. I, I, I do believe that that matters. I think this was one of those things where, like, Wiley Green gets the nod because of service done. And mm. or maybe Luke McCrafter, came in so late in the summer that he just doesn't have mastery of the playbook enough to take every single snap. My guess is by the time we get into real conference USA play, Luke McCaffrey is the guy and like you hinted at if he's not I, I think that signals um something bad for Rice I don't, I don't think that's a good thing if they continue with the two quarterback system into game four into game five right right yeah like I said I just feel that's a good point point. I and mean, this might be just familiarity's sake um he knows what they're what they have and you know uh, they're going to be underdogs against Houston this week but I'm really intrigued to see how they hold up because this is a rise program that looks solid right defensively they look really good and so I'm curious to see how they do against a team that is kind of struggling right the program as a whole we'll talk about Houston in a bit but I'm kind of curious to see do they kind of carry some of that momentum that they had in the uh, heading into the fourth quarter against Arkansas or physically they did match up pretty well against somebody like uh, like a Houston yeah, I mean, I think Rice and, and Rice fans should care more about the first three quarters than the last quarter. I, I really do think that, you know, once you get into the fourth quarter, the depth of just being an SEC team is just too much. And so, yeah, if you're an Owls fan, this is the week, right? Houston mm -hmm. kind of limping into that game. Uh, you had a really good three quarters. This is this is that time to, to pull that one off. Yeah. Uh, moving on to another game that I did not pay much attention to, North Texas versus Northwestern State. Um, it's just so much you can only take from these uh, these games. But you kind of hope to to see what I think you saw from North Texas, right? You kind of hope to see – I think you expect to see Jace Ruder and Austin Ani. I, I kind of expect to see a little bit more of Austin Ani. I don't know if he got hurt in the game or not. Um, but it was one of the – it was a similar situation to Rice to where – they land Jace Ruder in the in the offseason, and you kind of expected him to kind of push. Um, the fact they didn't really name either kind of shows where he was in the coach's mind. I don't think Austin Ani was a bad quarterback at all, so I, I don't think he was um, – uh, I don't think it was a bad decision to kind of roll with him a little bit, but I do know Jace Ruder did start this game. So he came in uh, 10, of 12, 10 of 21, 131 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Eh, I don't know. Against Northwestern State, that's not that great. but. Didn't really need him. Yeah, DeAndre Torrey, 
uh, which is basically, you know, the, the he's going to be the bell cow, especially now that Attaway's out. Um, and he's the one that kind of carried this, uh, carried this offense, uh, total, total team rushing yards were 50, 50 carries, 345. Torrey had 25 carries, 244, three touchdowns. I mean, when you get into conference USA play, you hope that quarterback position, especially for a Seth Luttrell team gets better. Um, but you really didn't need it. Uh, they will need it next week against SMU though. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, and well, with seeing how good SMU's offense was, having a run game with Torrey, like you just talked about, I, I think that'll be a big key for them next week. Uh, you know, this was a glorified scrimmage, right? You come out there, uh, you kind of run your best for a little while, you see what they can do. And I think this is another team in the state where we didn't learn a ton about yeah. this week. Um, they did what they were supposed to do. And right away next week, uh, we're going to learn a lot more about them, kind of like we were talking about UTEP. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on from that one. All right, let's get to our first kind of interesting narrative game going on here. We uh, this weekend was it was you were either playing a Bethune Cookman or you were playing a team more to your level, and we could draw so many conclusions from. Uh, this one was kind of the first. Texas Day loses to Baylor 29-20. I saw pretty much all of this game, and oh boy, are the narratives already out for some reason. Um, <laughs> Texas State was a two-touchdown dog basically in this game. And um, I don't know. I thought this game, I didn't expect much from the Texas State offense in this game. I think Baylor's the best defense in the Big 12. You can talk about them or Iowa State, but I think they're one of the best defenses in the Big 12. Offense sure is going to be, was going to be a question mark, but I didn't think Texas State's offense was, was going to move the ball that well. I thought they would really struggle, especially in the run game. Um, Brady McBride is a pretty up and down quarterback. I think he's, his, his, he has a lot of, um, uh, both the good and bad gunslinger mentality in him, right? He's going to stretch those field. He's going to try to make the big play, but he's also going to make the play where he throws in a double, triple coverage because he's trying to make something happen. That basically was a big summary of what happened. He couldn't run the ball, 27 carries, 79 yards. Uh, Brady McBride, uh, 20 of 40 passes, 156, three picks. Only one of them was really bad, I would say. The pick six he got earlier on um, in the first drive, that was really bad. But other than that, I don't know. This is a really good defense that they played. Tech State's defense looked really solid against an offense that I kind of had questions going in. Uh, Gary Bahanna was named the starter. We'll talk about Baylor in a bit, but the defense held up for the most part. Uh, this game was fairly close, and it got away late. Uh, they kind of got Tech State kind of got a late touchdown to kind of uh, make it the the final margin. But I don't know. I didn't really see. I think I saw what I wanted to from Texas State. They had off uh, offense made plays occasionally, right? They couldn't really sustain drives, which against Baylor, I don't know if that was really expected, but heading into the half, it was 14-10. Baylor went up double digits in the third quarter. Tech, like I said, Texas State got a late touchdown. Uh, my favorite play was uh, on the attempted hook and ladder to end the game. The ball flies in the end zone. And uh, instead of uh, letting Baylor get it and covering, uh, Brady McBride takes a, t uh, gets a safety, and so they don't cover. So <laughs> that was great. <laughs> um, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, backdoor uh, backdoor cover worries going on in that last play. But um, I don't know. I don't think you could take much from this game. I didn't think Tech State was expected to win this game, but they looked really solid. They didn't look out physically matched, which is a good change. A lot of the transfers came in, looked really really good um they didn't get bullied like that was that's a thing that's always happened against fbs programs and you could talk about moral victories sure whatever but I, I don't i don't it's not quite moral victory but it is a step forward for where i think this program has to be 
Sure. I mean, it's not a confidence loser, right? right. You, exactly. you don't, you don't leave that game going, Oh no, where, where are we going from here? I think everybody in the locker room feels pretty good uh, about what happened yesterday, even though, like you said, there, there is no such thing as moral victories. You're going to, you're going to feel down when you lost, but I think when they go back and they watch film, there's going to be more good things than bad things. And that's all you can ask for in a, in a money game where you're getting paid to kind of go there and get beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. So uh, like I said, we'll talk about Baylor in a bit. Um, there were some good and bad things on their part, but uh, moving on to one of the, probably the biggest debut of this weekend. I don't know why I have Baylor over Texas on the rundown is Louisiana uh, is uh, Texas over. Oh, I know. Where am I looking at right now? Oh no. Baylor over Texas state. Sorry. We'll talk about them right now. I messed up my rundown a little bit. Uh, so looking at Baylor, uh, Gary Bahannon comes in, he was named the starter. That was a little bit surprising to me. I thought it would be Jacob Zeno just because I think his arm strength is a little bit more um, there. But uh, I think I saw why um, uh, why they chose him. He's very, I don't know, he's very he's more mobile than Jacob Zeno is. Um, he doesn't have the strongest arm, but I think what they were wanting to do, get him moving a little bit, kind of uh, you saw a little bit of the, the BYU light, what Jeff Grimes is trying to do there. Um, you saw him move in the pocket. You saw him have these on the run throws. I think that's kind of what he wants this offense to be. And they ran the ball really well. I mean, Texas State couldn't stop Tristan Ebner, 20 carries, 120 yards. Um, uh, I'm forgetting the other running back's name. Um, uh, Abram Smith uh, had about 100 yards as well. They really dominated up front. The offensive line looked stellar. Um, that's a job, good job of Eric Mateos, also from BYU defensively. They did what you expected them to do. Um, I know Tejada was out for a little bit. I don't. I did, can't remember if he returned to the game or not. But defensively, they really shut down a, uh, a Texas State team that's still trying to learn a lot of its pieces on offense. And, you know, this is going to be a team that relies on its defense, right? But Hannon didn't play great, 15 of 24, 148 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Um, again, it, it the offense looks better than last year because it looks like it has an identity and it looks like it knows what it wants to do. It wants to move the quarterback. It wants to run the ball pretty well and occasionally hit you over the top, hit RJ Snead over the top to stretch the field a bit. Um, that's something last year that did not happen. They didn't have rhythm. They didn't really know really what to do under Larry Fedora. And I think now full off season, you're going to kind of see a little bit more of that identity come out. Yeah, I, I find it really hard to hold last year against David Aranda and just kind sure. of what he was trying to do. I just, you know, with the the pandemic and kind of Baylor's problems with it and stuff, it just felt like a, a no-win situation there. I, I do think kind of like how we just said, Texas State players are going to walk away from that game feeling pretty good about themselves. I don't know if that's true for Baylor players, you know. Sure. I, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's that's something to kind of see in week one and go, okay, we're not where we need to be. Every time I watch Baylor, every time I see a Baylor game these days, all I think to myself is how good was Matt Rule at coaching football? Man. If he enjoyed recruiting, he could have been the next best college football coach in waiting, right? You know, right. like once that old guard kind of moves on here in the next five, 10 years, Matt Rule is an incredible football coach. And every time I see anything from Baylor, it just reminds me of how, how, how much they played above their pay grade uh, in 2019. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point because, like, you mentioned, this isn't a badly coached team, right? Especially defensively, right? Like, Dave Aranda, even last year when they weren't very good, David, you saw Dave Aranda's print on that defense. You know that he is clearly one of the best defensive minds in the country. Um, but offensively, like, I mean, even when they went to the Big 12 title game, that wasn't a good offensive team, right? It was basically 
I don't know, is Mims going to do something? Maybe we'll throw the ball to him and he'll have, he'll catch it. Um, and it was Charlie Brewer running for his life. Like that was it. Like they were running power with Charlie Brewer, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything spectacular, but they were winning games and that defense was insane. And you mentioned it. He just, know, I want to, we'll talk about Jeff Trailer in a bit, but it was a little bit of what Jeff Trailer is doing where it's like, there's a lot of glaring holes with this team, but it doesn't matter because they're just well coached enough to make things happen. And I think that's going to be the challenge is turning Baylor from that kind of program to what they're going to do now, which is okay. Now, like they bring in Jeff Grimes. So now it's like, okay, now they want to really turn those players who are good football players under Matt rule to like a good offense now. Right. And like actually trying to do something with that. So um, I think, like I said, they have Texas Southern and KU coming up two games that we should absolutely, if this offense is something we should see that in these next two games and then they got Iowa state. So they have two good tests, two decent chances to just flex their muscles, dominate, going into their first challenge of the first real challenge of the year. Um, you know, like you mentioned, they probably don't feel great about this game, but they have two weeks to really make it right. So uh, moving on to Texas tech over Houston, 30 at 21, what I like to call the, uh, our first anxiety bowl of the year, uh, Matt Wells and Dana Holgerson going at it in a game that whoever lost this game was gonna be on the hot seat like it did not matter um both programs are in very very weird situations right now and uh early on it looked like it was gonna be matt wells that was gonna be on that hot seat houston goes up 14 nothing um i think they go into the half up up a touchdown up 21 14 i can't remember exactly what it was then tech tech rolls 31 unanswered and they come out 38 21 um we'll talk about houston in a bit but tech I think Tech was clearly the better team outside of that first intro. Um, you know, I think Houston had an onside kick or something that uh, they got an early onside kick. That, that's why they went up 14 nothing. Once Tech's offense got on the field, I think they clearly see why they hired Sonny Cumbie. I mean, this is an offense that couldn't sustain anything last year. When they did, it was just for sheer, I don't know, like Henry Columbia just kind of did whatever last year. Tyler Shuck comes in uh, now 27 to 24. 231 yards, one touchdown. Taj Brooks has a great game, 15 carries, 134. Um, shout they, out Maynard. Yeah, shout out Maynard, man. No, it, it really, like, you can see, this is a, this looks like a different tech team and kind of what they were trying to uh, balance out when they brought in Matt Wells going away from that, the air raid history. And Sonny Cumbie, I think, was the right guy to bring in those elements of what made tech successful, but also a little bit of that balance that Matt Wells wants to have. Yeah, I, I don't know if I was impressed by a team more than Texas Tech, and that includes UTSA and Texas. I, this was a game that Texas Tech used to lose and probably lose by a lot of points. They go down 14 to nothing. They don't get the ball until there's like three minutes left in the first quarter. That's a game where Texas Tech defense just cannot hold. And instead, mm -hmm. they give up seven points for the last 45 minutes uh, of play. Matt Wells took a gamble. He goes, I'm, I'm going to get experienced, tough-nosed dudes in here through transfers, and they're, we're going to build a culture from within. I thought that win yesterday was the first piece of evidence we have that it's working. And I, I think it's a real building block for this team. Maybe at the end of the year, we look back at this and say it was fool's gold and it was really about Houston not being very good. I think uh, Tech's clearly not going to compete for a Big 12 championship or anything, mm -hmm. but this is a good team. This is a, a solid, tough a mature football team and it's been a while since i've been able to say that about anybody in loving this is going to be a team that wins with defense and a running game i mean think about that that yeah. that's a big change that he's had to to you know kind of undertake over the last couple of years 
it felt like we're starting to see where he's going with the program. And I, I think that's a good sign and love it. Yeah. Quick question. How, like one of the things that really, I think really showed how much Matt Wells really does care about this project and what he's doing is the fact that he swallowed his pride this off season, right? Firing David Yost, bringing in somebody who is clearly reminiscent of an era that tech fans are longing for, right? Brings in Tyler Shutt, brings in a quarterback, you know, is that like, I don't know, was, did that kind of show to you like how dedicated he is to doing this? Because like he could have stood and I know Yost is my guy. We're running this offense. We're not, you know, this is no more air raid, no more leech era, all that stuff. I don't know what, what was kind of your read into those moves. And to me kind of showing in this game, why he may, why he, why he is a good head coach. I mean, I, I think ego is the enemy of improvement and mm. he kind of checked his at the door and said, okay, it hasn't worked the first couple of years. We gave it a chance my way. Let's meet in the middle. And I think there was some compromise made. They're not going to be throwing the ball 40, 50, 60 times a game. Like we saw with Mike Leach there, but there's yeah. going to be um, some elements of that. And that's going to help the run game. That's going to help everything else become more balanced. And so, I, yeah, I think it was a, a smart move by Matt Wells. And then, to be 14 nothing down, basically going in the second quarter before you've had the ball, and to stick with your running game and to believe in your defense, the Red Raiders would have pressed the panic button in years past. Yeah. The fact that they didn't, I think, is a really, really good sign. Yeah, Tyler Shuck probably would have had 55 attempts, and you know, right. they would have, yeah, he would have thrown three picks because they were pressing too much. Yep. Um, let's flip to the other side. All right. Oh boy. Um, so Houston, <laughs> you're spotted 14 nothing. Um, you're in NRG, theoretical home field advantage. And you let tech for some reason out physical you out, you know, out muscle you for the rest of the game. And Clayton Toon throws four picks, um, 27 to 38, 174, two touchdowns. I don't know. I think we saw a lot of the good and uh, early on we saw a lot of the good right Dana Holgerson was willing to go for it he was willing to get try to get that early momentum okay cool here's what we're doing and then it just all falls apart like I don't know they couldn't stop tech in the running game they really couldn't sustain anything Clayton Toon started really well like I mentioned and I'm just this was this was my worry because heading into this game it was clear that it was going to be like a very much a narrative game for whoever lost and I think I was prepared to kind of come out when it was like 21-21. I was pretty prepared to be like, oh, this is like a nice back and forth. I don't think anybody's going to draw any conclusions from the loser, right? It was like, oh, it's just a great game. You know, these two teams may, may be onto something. 31 unanswered. I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm, it's really starting to get to that point where I'm like, okay, Dana Holgerson, what's up? Yeah, I mean, they got whipped on the front and or on the on the offensive and defensive line of scrimmage. I mean, they got manhandled, especially, yeah. you know, second, third, fourth quarter. Um, the second half, you mentioned, they didn't really come out of the halftime believing that they could win. It felt like they had get, given their best shot in the first half. It had knocked Texas Tech out, and they didn't really have a, a game plan for the rest of it. And they went for fourth down three times in those first two drives. Uh, they went for an onside there. You know, Holgerson pulled it all out, and I, I just – at the, at the end, it just wasn't enough. And I don't know if that says more about Tech or Houston. I think we find that out, you know, three, four, five weeks down, down mm -hmm. the road. But this team doesn't have an identity. It doesn't have a swagger. And that's what Holgerson's supposed to bring or, or yeah. those things. And it has not, for whatever reason, it just has not translated into the roster. And 
for them to start that well and then finish that poorly, it has to say something about what's going on uh, inside that locker room with just confidence. Yeah. I'm wondering because looking at their, looking at their schedule, like it's not a tough schedule. And so like they could, we could not be impressed with Houston and they could squeak out with eight wins. Like, cause I'm looking at their record. I'm looking next week to have rice grambling, a not good Navy team, a not good Tulsa team, Tulane's good, ECU, SMU, okay, they'll be tested there, USF, Temple, Memphis, UConn, like, that's maybe three, four tough games, maybe, like, I don't know, like, it's, it's going to be hard to draw any conclusions, but again, I mentioned it with Rice, like, if they come out and this, they beat Rice 24-17, you know, I'm not feeling great about if I'm Houston, you know, it's like, this, that should be a game where they're really putting their foot down. Yeah, well, and if you're trying to build momentum into being this Big 12 program, um, you want to have a good year this year, maybe a good near, year next year, and kind of really springboard into that. Uh, Texas Tech's going to be one of those measuring sticks once you do get to the Big 12, if that happens. And you showed yesterday that you are not quite there up front. And if you can't be there up front against Texas Tech, that's a bad sign because that's not Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor. Kansas State, one of the teams we we call physical, right? If Texas mm-hmm. Tech is out physically in you, you got a ways to go. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the biggest debut of the weekend. Texas over, let me rephrase, number 21, Texas over number 23, Louisiana, 38-18. Long story short, I don't know how you could have scripted that much better for Steve Sarkeesian. Um, he announces Hudson Card as starting quarterback. Hudson Card looks really solid. Um, Bijan Robinson does Bijan Robinson things. He's dynamic in the passing attack. Jordan Whittington, holy crap, where have you been? Love you and hope you stay healthy. Um, he finishes with seven catches, one what thirteen. When I looking at this game, when I when I was looking at the issues where Texas could maybe struggle, it was giving Hudson Card those options right on the outside. I did not see the receiving threats outside of Bijan Robinson um, in long situations where he where you could help out a, a young quarterback enter jordan and, whittington like <laughs> yeah. and uh, i mean for those who don't know i previous to this i was on the recruiting beat for the statesman so i i have seen every single one of these players on texas's too deep on both sides of the ball play high school football mm-hmm. and i mean every single one of them even like junior Anglau from utah i went all the way out there and saw the best two players on that team from a high just a athlete standpoint are Bajan robinson and jordan whittington Mm. And yesterday they played like the best two players on the team. And that's huge. Yeah. You know, Hudson cards, not going to be Sam Ellinger. He's not going to throw the ball 40 times and run it 20 and it just all go through Hudson card. I argue that's a good thing. I mm-hmm. think that's a good thing for this team and the identity of this offense is Bajan Robinson's. And we saw uh, Sarkeesian like have the uh, awareness to just feed him the ball and keep giving him the ball in multiple ways. Uh, the defensive line looked great. The linebackers looked good. Um, that's a really experienced, good Louisiana team. I mean, today people are kind of rewriting it as Texas beat Louisiana. Well, coming into this, it was like, you know, Texas is going to have to beat Louisiana. Not only did they, they beat them by 20 points and it didn't really look all that scary ever. And so I'm with you. I I don't know if you can write a better script uh, the way that started. Uh, Now they get to go on the road against Arkansas and kind of see how they handle a little bit of adversity there. But uh, they looked really good, and the players they need to be good looked really good, and I think that's a key. Yeah, heading into this, I mean, 
I'll be candid. Like I picked Louisiana just because I figured there were a lot of questions about Texas. It's the first game. Like you can't really draw any conclusions. I didn't, I thought Louisiana's offense, especially up front and up front, they looked really good, right? Louisiana's they have a power five offensive line. They have a power five defensive line. They've always dominated when it comes to recruiting uh, size up front. And I mean, they struck like Luke Brockermeyer looked excellent against that offense. Like Levi Lewis is a good quarterback and uh, uh, Damari Overshone looked really good. Like, this was a defense that really was able to flex its muscles against a solid experience offense for you, Louisiana. And you mentioned it. Like we wanted to see, I don't think, again, if Texas would have lost this game, I don't think you could have made conclusions, obviously about what Steve Sarkeesian is doing. Even this year, I don't think you could really make, because he doesn't, again, he doesn't have quote unquote, his players. It's a lot of guys it, it, granted that are good, right? Like Jordan Whittington is good, but it's a lot of guys that he's having to coach up to this certain scheme. And, you know, people after last year's Bama, people are probably wanting to see, oh, let's see that exactly replicated at Texas. It wasn't going to be that this year, but you saw a lot of the wrinkles that first touchdown to Bijan Robinson, where they flanked him out and he's wide open. Like those kind of things, right? The creativity, that's kind of what you wanted to see. And getting Whittington in space, letting Hudson Card move around, uh, make some plays with his feet as well. I mean, I don't know. This is, like you mentioned, it was it was as good as it could have been. The playmakers were there. Um, I'm, I, I like that he gave Roshan Johnson a lot of carries because everybody was talking about, everybody's talking about Bijan Robinson, right? He's a Bijan. It's it's obviously he's the best player on the uh, in on that team, perhaps. But you want to see Roshan get some carries because you don't want this guy wearing down come November because he's going to be that playmaker for the whole season. Yeah, I think if there's one place to nitpick, it's the offensive line. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's going to be uh, the one place to look. Kyle Flood's an excellent offensive line coach. You would imagine they get better as the season goes on, but that's the one spot coming out of yesterday where there was real kind of like, oh, okay. Once they play OU and those kind of teams, what are they going to look like there? Luckily, there's not many fronts on their schedule better than Louisiana. Louisiana's got a pretty good defensive line. So yeah. uh, we'll see if that was more about Louisiana being pretty good or if Texas really does have some issues to iron out there. Yep. Next up for Texas is an old Southwest Conference throwback against Arkansas at Arkansas. Um, that should be, again, they, Arkansas for three quarters did not look very good against Rice. Um, so if Texas comes out and blows up Arkansas, like we're cooking. Cause then you got a pretty fairly decently winnable schedule. You know, we'll see what happens with tech and TCU, but they have Arkansas rice tech TCU before they get to red river. And if Texas comes out of this gate two and O, I mean, four and O's easily within, or sorry, five and O's easily within, uh, within reach heading into red river. So, I mean, hell of an impressive uh, debut for, for Texas moving on to TCU taking on Duquesne. I did not watch much of this game. Hoped I did not need to. Um, looks like I really didn't need to. Uh, they went 45 to three. Max Duggan, 14 and 19, 207, one touchdown, one pick. Um, running game was whatever, 38 carries, 178 total for TCU. Um, TCU's defense looked like it just sat on Duquesne, which is what I was hoping to see. Um, I kind of... I don't know. I don't know if the, I don't know if the offensive stat line was a little bit more predicated on this is a Gary Patterson offense and he just doesn't want uh, Max Duggan throwing for you know I don't know uh, he just doesn't want him doing a lot so he's not going to have these great numbers but I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more from that side of the ball um, but you know they got I don't know how much you can take from Duquesne anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really know what Duquesne was. 
yesterday. <laughs> I was telling I was telling Greg like I used to think it was Duquesne growing up. <laughs> right. I did some research though. It was Fort Duquesne. Okay. It was established by the French in 1754. Okay. And it basically became Pittsburgh. So if you ever go to Pittsburgh, sure. you're basically at Fort Duquesne. That's okay. all I got. That's all. That's all. That's that's all I have yesterday. I mean. It, I, I am, I do understand why teams make these schedules and why right. they do it and stuff. You want it, you don't get preseason games. You want to see, see where you're at. Sure. Uh, but from an onlooker or an outsider, I just, there's not much to take from, from a game against Duquesne. And I think Gary Patterson would say the same thing. They hope to win. They hope to stay healthy and they hope to see, you know, a few things on tape that I'm sure they get to see. Yeah. I'm trying to see, bring up the schedule for, okay. They got Cal next. So see, there we go. Like I'm ready to see that game. Cal's a good team. Well, coach team. Now we can see TCU's offense potentially take a step forward. Uh, we mentioned, I've mentioned in the past, uh, I want to see TCU's pass rush really get there. They've always been obviously traditional uh, pass rushing powerhouse. They haven't been as excellent. So I'm kind of hoping to see Oshan Mathis really take a step forward and those guys up front uh, for uh, Gary Patterson. Uh, moving on to SMU over ACU. Uh, again, one of those games where you really can't draw much, but I mean, you know, again, you can't draw many conclusions from these type of games, but you want to see SMU dominate these kind of games. And they did. 56-9 over ACU, Tanner Mordecai, 24-30, 317, seven touchdowns. That's nuts, um, even, even if it is against an FCS opponent. Uh, they, they run the ball decently, 37 carries total for 182. Uh, Bentley, Siggers, Levine, all get in the game. Um yeah, I don't know. I didn't expect to see Tanner Mordecai throw that much because I knew that T- SMU had this stable of running backs in the backfield that I thought they'd be handing the ball a little bit more. But nonetheless, I mean, I see why he named Tanner Mordecai. Uh, Dykes named Tanner Mordecai over Preston Stone. This is a guy who was second string behind Spencer Rattler, knows that offense, know, knows that type of offense, knows how to sling the ball, very strong arm, um, very impressive debut for me. I was high, high, high on Tanner Mordecai coming out of Waco Midway. I thought he was an excellent uh, high school uh, quarterback. I got to see him a lot just being in the Austin area and just where their their district was. Um, I I think it was a point prover. I I think Dykes knew there were some conversations going on about the quarterback behind the scenes. He had seen Mordecai light it up and he let let him loose and kind of to kind of end that conversation, right? Tanner Mm -hmm. Mordecai is the quarterback at SMU. Shane Bouchelle left some big shoes to fill. I mean, he threw for over 7,000 yards, 60-plus touchdowns total. Um, So it was the big kind of, okay, show me what you have at this position. And on Saturday, they showed us exactly what they have at that position. If everyone else is good, everyone else is healthy, I don't think they take a step back this year because of quarterback play. And that's a pretty big development after week one for Sonny Dykes. Oh, yeah. One of the other big things that I noticed was – Oh my goodness, SM, they gave SMU Grant Calcaterra. Um, <laughs> two touchdowns in his debut, obviously transferring in from Oklahoma. Um, you just walk in and you give SMU, uh, you know, they get Reggie Robertson back, they get Rasheed Rice back, and you just add Grant Calcaterra tight end to that offense. That's nuts. And two big touchdowns for him. Obviously, a guy's battled injury. Um, obviously, a guy who was a big part of Oklahoma when he was healthy. Like, I, th- I don't know, that couldn't have been a better gift wrap for that offense. Yeah, I was reading an article. I think it was Joe Hoy. I think it was from the Dallas Morning News. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he hadn't played in over a thousand days. Mordecai hadn't started a, a game in over a thousand days. Um, and so, yeah, to see those two guys come out and have that kind of success, that had to feel good. That, oh, yeah. they, you know, they know each other's stories. They were both at Oklahoma together. So 
uh, I would imagine there was uh, some pretty good feelings going on yesterday. Oh, yeah. All right, moving on to our second and last game. We're going to switch these last two in the power poll. It is UTSA first, uh, then AM is our top ranked team, but we're going to talk about AM first. Kind of a okay debut for AM. Um, they beat Kent State 41 to 10. Kent State's a decently coached team. Sean Lewis is one of the best young coaches in the league uh, or in the, in the country, but they lost a lot. So it's a lot of new guys coming in for this team. Um, I think this is, these are the type of teams that I think teams should schedule first, right? Instead of the FCS programs, get a team that's well-coached that you're better than, but you can draw some conclusions. Um, obviously the big debut here was Haynes King, kind of a mixed bag, uh, three picks. One of them was really bad. He kind of really stared down his receiver, but um, overall, I kind of you kind of see why he separated himself as the guy with his ability to move his feet. Um, he's a really, really, really uh, talented scrambler and runner with the ball. Um, they ran the ball insanely well. Shane and Spiller combined for over 200 yards on the ground. Defensively, I mean, AM's defense looked excellent. Um, you know, they had two picks. I believe both were Leon O'Neill. Um, he had a pick six as well. I mean, that was, that defense is exactly, especially without, you know, Michael Clemens, who's suspended indefinitely, you kind of hope to see still that defense really dominate a young Kent State team. They did. Offensively, question marks, you know, a lot of good, a lot of, uh, they came out with a win, but a lot of stuff to take back, I think, to the film room and to the practice field. Yeah, Hudson Card, Haynes King are going to always kind of be linked together in that same recruiting class, and now they're kind of starting together at A&M in Texas, so you know, I think Hudson Card had the the opener you'd like. You know, it's a mm-hmm. little bit cleaner, uh, but Haynes King's going to be fine. And I'd imagine Jimbo kind of lets the lets him off the the chain a little bit more as the season goes on. When you need to use his legs more, and maybe design some things to kind of do what he does best, which is use that athleticism, get outside the pocket, uh, really threaten defenses with his legs, with like RPOs and different stuff like that. But I think you mentioned the keys, right? It, it's about defense in the running game uh, for this team. Haynes King is there to to be a game manager and then maybe progress beyond that but right now they just need him to not make the mistakes and yesterday the concerning part was he made mistakes that against better competition would have really hurt them they had five uh, possessions in the first half they didn't have to punt once it was Mm. uh, two scores a turnover on downs and two interceptions so if he just doesn't you know make mistakes if he just holds on to the football makes the right decision you know they're probably up three, four scores at the end of the first half because they're just that much better. My thing with AM is I don't know if we learn anything meaningful about them until that Alabama game. You know, they, they've reached the level, and this is a good problem. They've reached the level where the Colorados and Arkansas of the world shouldn't offer them too much. Mm-hmm. And so they should roll past those. So October 9th at home against Alabama becomes a real big first game. Uh, and I just, they should be able to steamroll past these teams because Jimbo's done such a great job recruiting offensive line and defensive line that those two units are just, I mean, they're bullies. They're the, they're the best up front in the state. And there's, there's no denying that at all. Yeah. I was, I think, uh, Ruben father, tweeted out that he, uh, he had, he got in the game for the first time. I was like, all right, he's, he's, I forgot he's on their 2d. Like, it's just like, they can roll out dudes, people like Bryce Foster, they can just roll out on the front. Like they're going to be a menace. And I think that when you when you have the depth up front like that and you have a defense as dominating as that you know you can afford, like especially early right you Haynes I, I I don't you know three picks is never good but I think those were good mistakes early right yeah, it's like get him out of the way right exactly get him out of the way the game's not in jeopardy 
right? Because they're not going to score the defense. They're, they're, the defense is going to make sure they don't score. Um, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't that bad. I like you mentioned, get them out of the way, and they have. Yeah, like I mean, Colorado, New Mexico, Arkansas, Mississippi State. I mean, they should be very well undefeated going into that Bama game, and you'd hope by then, you know, Haynes King is a lot more set, right? And a, this defense, we'll see what this defense really has when it goes up against somebody like uh, Alabama with their playmakers who looked excellent. Uh, just like the wheels just kept turning against a good Miami team. I don't know how we keep doing this every year where we talk ourselves into Bama reloading or whatever, but we'll see what they have at that point. Uh, all right. Now let's get to the real show. UTSA over Illinois, Meet 30, <laughs> 37, 30. They go into Champaign, an Illinois team that was feeling itself. They beat Nebraska. Nebraska's probably not good, but who cares? They, you know, they were feeling themselves uh, the first game of the Brett Bielema era and UTSA puts the kibosh on that. Um, I tweeted, I think after the first couple drives, I tweeted, you know, a lot of people that were hyping up UTSA, rightfully so. I think they did not really know what the issues were with that team. There were glaring issues with that team in terms of consistency. To me, consistency of quarterback, right? I think that secondary is really good. I think that front seven's decent. Obviously, you got Sincere McCormick, and we can talk about Brendan Brady, but I think to me, it was always going to be that quarterback play that made that whether or not UTSA hit that ceiling. And I think we saw a little bit of both the good and the bad from that. I think when Frank Harris has his read, there it goes. He's going to hit that pass. I think it also doesn't matter when Zakari Franklin just destroys everybody it's covering because Frank Harris was, again, he was okay. Um, he had some, when he had to look off his first read, he still struggles with that. But there were some plays where he's just like, you know what, Zakari Franklin's down there somewhere and he's going to go get it. Uh, Josh Cephas is down there somewhere and he's going to go get it. And if you have a quarterback who just knows to get it to your big plays, big playmakers, you don't need a guy that has the strongest arm. You don't need the guy who's going to throw for 350. You know, if he can just get it around and not turn the ball over, which is what Frank Harris has been asked to do, you're going to be good. And again, Illinois really looked flustered against a really physical and well-coached UTSA team. I don't know. This was a stellar win. Um, you know, Illinois, we can talk about whatever stage Illinois is at, but on the road, power five team, impressive win. Jeff trailer does what Jeff trailer does. I mean, like this is, this is what, this is how he, this is how he operates. They went on the road against a big 10 team. That's pretty decent uh, and beat them without their best players. A game. Yeah. Here McCormick didn't, play if you tell me utsa wins i'm telling you sincere mccormick rushed for over 100 yards had a couple scores and, and that's how they won right. they did it without that mm -hmm. uh, with one of his poorer performances and so if this team can go on the road and beat big 10 competition without running the ball just completely down an opponent's throat that serves as a good notice for when that running game does start clicking because you know a jeff trailer running game is going to start clicking and so yeah uh i you know I thought that uh, I bet on Illinois. I, I you know, mm -hmm. I'm a UTSA guy. I really thought it was a little bit more than UTSA could chew, especially since Illinois had played the week before. I'm a big believer in kind of you kind of get that first game out of the way. They were at home. Uh, the fact that they were able to go on the road and do that, that was only their second win against a Power 5 school. The other one was 2017 at Baylor. Mm -hmm. uh, this one felt bigger. This one yeah. felt like a real program defining, like UTSA is on the map. I saw – People tweeting about UTSA yesterday that I've never really seen tweet about UTSA on a college football landscape. Ten years in, 
it feels like UTSA has really turned a corner as no longer just this new program that's fun to kind of talk about into a legitimate Conference USA contending type team. And that schedule opens up for this squad. They can really get on a run and do some things starting next week with Lamar. I, I think it was, uh, you know, they're not A&M. They're not Texas, sure. right? Sure. Uh, but that next group, I don't think that there's another team that can really just blow them out. I think they're, they're uh, in the conversation as, you know, a real legitimate team in the state. I think so too. I think that one of the things that I was <clears throat> wanting to see was that because, you know, the past couple of years, it's been the sincere McCormick show, right? Everybody knows, you know, that's their best player stack eight in the box. He still got the yards, which was always what made him so impressive, but it was that, okay, once you get behind that plan a, Right. And we saw that Brendan Brady had a great game, 11 carries, 67 yards. Uh, one of them was a 33 yard touchdown. Um, he had, he finished with two touchdowns. Uh, even I mentioned Zachary Franklin, like it's finding those other guys that can really make this a deep team and defensively, like this is a, you know, Brett Bielema, he wants to bully you, right. He wants to win up front, really go, you know, run, run play action pass. And the play action got them um, a couple times. But the defense was so sound and just making sure, getting him in passing situations. Um, Art, Arthur Sikowski did not look very comfortable for a lot of that game. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know, this is this, you mentioned that Baylor win. I forgot about that because, I mean, where Baylor was at that time, right? That was a program really in the mud, right? Uh, you know, Matt Rule was really trying to figure out what the hell he was going to do there. And that was definitely a, a better program, UTSA at the time, taking advantage of a downtrodden program. This was a program that's theoretically on the rise, right? Illinois is coming back. They looked a lot better this uh, the past couple weeks than they did last year. But this is UTSA coming out and putting a, putting the fire out. Just like, nope, this is not, you know, you guys aren't where you think you are. We're better. We have a two deep that can match up with you guys, which is, again, something that's when you kind of see those group of five teams really flexing is when they have those two deeps that match up with a power five. And I don't know, I was really impressed if they can get this kind of play from Frank Harris, where he's not again, where you don't want Frank Harris doing is, is, is holding the ball too much, right? He's trying to make something happen. He's again, we flashed that a couple of times. You want to get him, make sure he has those quick reads and then just keeps the ball moving and the offense just stays on the field because that's where the UTSA really starts to hum. Um, and Man, I don't know if, if they can solve that, the weaknesses start to go away, right? You start to like wonder. I remember um, their first touchdown was a pull, uh, a read option pull, and everybody followed Sincere McCormick. And it's like, oh, Frank Harris has it. And like, if you can just <laughs> get the pressure off of Sincere McCormick, that opens up the offense, that opens up him down the line. Like, I don't know. Uh, Jeff Trailer, I think last year was one of the better, was I think the best coaching job in the country just because he did not have a spring. And they came out looking as solid and well-coached as they did. And the fact that he had now was a spring to really implement a lot of his philosophies uh, even more. I mean, I don't know. You mentioned it too. The schedule's insanely easy. Like, and not insanely easy, but they can really make some noise if things really click. It's the, it's the mental toughness that he's instilled within the program that had never been there before. Like, it had always been a hope to compete mm -hmm. uh, situation with UTSA. I remember they had... They had Arizona one time at the Alamo Dome a few years ago where I remember that. they should have won. And it just, you could feel it. You could feel it in the Alamo Dome. You could see it on the sidelines that nobody really believed. It was like, oh right. man, uh, we're up. What do we do with this? Like, hopefully the <laughs> clock runs out. 
Yesterday, they would have beat Illinois if that would have been an eight-quarter game. Had that been a 12-quarter game? Had that been a 16-quarter game? Like, they walked into that field in Champaign knowing that they were the better team, even if nobody else did. And they walked out of it as the better team. And there was nothing hokey about it. There was nothing any, you know, like, they just went in there and beat a Big Ten team in the trenches without their best player playing his best game. Uh, yeah, it's a, it was a good win. It was a good win for the Roadrunners. It, it was a good, it was a good win for me to start, you know, start on the beat right there. Yeah, I was, uh, I was watching and they went up, you know, they went up 14, nothing and Illinois closes it to 17, 14. And, you know, again, you mentioned it, a lot of teams are just like, oh, here they come. Like, I don't know what to do here. What happens now? And they never trailed. <laughs> they maintained the lead throughout the whole game. Um, you know, a lot of that pains me to say as a Texas state alum, but uh <laughs> But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Jeff Trailer's the man, and he's kind of proven himself to be the man. I am uh, really curious to see how this program turns out. I'm trying to look at their schedule really quick for the rest of the season right now. Uh, they got Lamar next week. They got Middle Tennessee, Memphis, UNLV, Western Kentucky, Rice, LaTeX, UTEP, Southern Miss, UAB, UNT. Are we talking double-digit roadrunners? Like that's that's when I look at that schedule, I'm like, I don't see a lot of games where they're not favored to win. Nine and three would feel almost like a disappointment, and that's almost crazy. right. <laughs> that's crazy to say. Like I, I this is crazy. I, I graduated from UTSA in 2007. I'm yeah. not the spoiled. I, I remember when we didn't have a football team. I remember right. when the football team wasn't very good. I'm not trying to overreact here. Just looking at that schedule, nine and three feels like ah, it's a pretty good year, and that. Yeah. To get to that level, to think in year two with year one being completely shortened and weird and, and no spring, to already be to the point where it's it's not unrealistic to think 10 wins for UTSA right. is absurd. That's that's an absurd coaching job, and I don't know if he gets the credit for it yet, but he's going to, and he's going to ride this like Tom Herman rode his Houston success. Yeah, in October, if especially – the win that will get, I mean, this one will get people talking, but if they beat Memphis in Memphis heading into October, like we're going to be hearing Jeff Trailer's name all over because I mean, that would be a, that would be to me, probably a bigger win than over Illinois. If they can beat Memphis, one of those established powerhouse group of five teams. Um, yeah, man, that was, a, that was a lot going on in week one, uh, actual week one, none of this week zero crap. I hate week zero. Uh, I never really pay attention to any of the games, but uh, yeah, we'll hopefully be back with you guys Wednesday. Remember, this is the Republic of Football. Subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to us at texasfootball.com. Mike Craven, you will be seeing Mike Craven content soon, very, very soon. Uh, we'll be talking about what he's going to be up to. You'll be seeing a lot more of him on the site. Hopefully be back with a, record, uh, a preview episode on Wednesday. And then, of course, every Sunday, you know, we'll be here running through the games uh, every week. And man, you got anything else? Yeah, turned in my first uh, assignment earlier today before noon. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna try to try to bring as as much coverage as possible. I mean, I I grew up around here watching Texas football my whole life, and I don't mean UT football. I mean like the whole state of, of Texas. So right. Excited, just excited to hit the ground running. Awesome. All right, man. We'll talk to you guys Wednesday, and uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed Week One. This is it, man. Football season's here. I'm excited. <laughs>